Welcome to the Wonder Space podcast. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past 56 episodes, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest, our friends at AskNature.org are going to help us to rewonder. Some deep water bacteria have developed a way of taking the guesswork out of navigation. They combine iron with oxygen or sulfur to produce magnetic crystals, which they use to form compass needles embedded in their single-celled bodies. Each bacterium will make 10 to 20 packets of crystals, wrapping each one in a fatty membrane. Electromagnetic attraction arranges the packets in a line along the direction of the Earth's magnetic field. The bacteria align their bodies with their compasses and simply move forward or backward in their ongoing search for the low oxygen zones where they thrive. Our orbit this week will take us over the snow-capped Himalaya mountains and to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Sarah Osterholzer, who is an impact entrepreneur and the co-founder of the Good Business Club, which in three years has grown to a network of over 90 businesses. Sarah was nominated by our 28th guest on Wonderspace, John Pritchard from Parlour Eyewear. Here is John on why he nominated Sarah. I've nominated Sarah because she is a woman doing incredible things down here uh, for the Brighton community. Uh, she is simply a good human who supports and champions uh, business for good, businesses that are putting people and planet before profit. Um, she's incredibly hardworking, very positive, well-connected, uh, and simply think her story should be shared on here. With a panoramic view of Earth, I start by asking Sarah, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? So I think for me it would be an area called um, Dharamshala in the foothills of the Himalayas um, because that's where I spent my early childhood. Uh, so I attended an international boarding school that was right at the end of a, a long road, basically nestled in the mountains with, yeah, that view of the foothills um, as my kind of daily view. Um, it was surrounded by jungle and we had everything from mongoose to bears. Um, and I also remember we used to do treks uh, like around the mountains, either to go to uh, like the rivers to go have a little play or kind of go up the mountains as well. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a real adventure, obviously, kind of uh, growing up there. And I did visit just for a few days in 2010. So I think it would be really interesting because when I went that time, it had changed quite a lot. Um, I, I was there between the ages of seven to 12. So, I mean, everything anyway just looked much smaller. <laughs> um, but obviously in that space of time as well, so much had shifted in, in the way uh, that it looked, what they kind of built over the times, but also just how it how it felt. And I think, yeah, going back again, I think also the idea of flying and seeing it from that perspective um, would be amazing to go and just 
uh, I guess, be in that, that memory of that beautiful space. Sarah, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. I was born in Berlin. My mum's English, uh, my dad's German. And I, although I was born in Germany, I spent uh, my early childhood in India um, at, on the foothills of the Himalayas. So I was there from age of seven till 12, um, living a very adventurous life. <laughs> um, so that was very much, I think, formed a lot of also uh, my the view of the world as well um, and kind of philosophies on, on what was important in the world. Um, and when I came back uh, from India, we lived in South London um, and I went to university um, at the University of Sussex in Brighton, just on the coast, uh, uh, English coast. And at university is actually when I was, I guess, like many people trying to figure out um, what I was going to do with my life. Uh, that I came across a term, um, which is social enterprise, that really spoke to me. So I was uh, studying business, which I found was very interesting. And I chose it as a degree because I just thought, you know, anything I do, I'll be working in a business. So that's very practical. Um, but I think like many other systems in our modern world, I think they're quite outdated um, for where we're heading in the future. And it was that moment when I came across this term around social enterprise about, you know, using business as a tool to change the world for the better that really just synergized a lot of things that were really important to me and an opportunity I saw there. So I also just had a sense that I wasn't going to get a lot of satisfaction working in larger corporates. So when I graduated, I just went out and um, found opportunities to work with entrepreneurs who were trying to change the world. So the first four years um, uh, of my career was employee number one for a couple of different startups who, yeah, were trying to do things differently, really inspiring entrepreneurs. And I guess I got to really see um, the reality of starting up businesses, not just the theory that I'd learned as well. Um, and it was, yeah, after those four years, um, I got invited to work for an organisation in Brighton again, which I'd really love that city, um, who were looking at supporting uh, good businesses. And I designed um, and delivered an accelerator programme, again, then starting to help um, individuals on that that journey at the very beginning. Um, and Unfortunately, that business went to administration and we were only told 24 hours before we had to stop trading, um, which led me to set up my own business. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, I've set up the Good Business Club about a month after being made redundant. Um, and we're now uh, just reached a three year mark. And what we do is make it possible for first time entrepreneurs who want to change the world um, to set up sustainable businesses without having to have decades of experience or be a master of everything in their business um, by tapping into the expertise and experience of others who have who have blazed the trail before them and have a lot of um, generosity and, and insights that they want to contribute to other people as well. So that's my contribution to trying to change uh, the old system of business and and really use it as a, a powerful tool in the world. Um, like I said, we're three years now, we've survived a pandemic. Um, we're about 90 business strong, um, of very generous, inspiring 
um, and supportive businesses who, yeah, are really up to, to changing the world. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? So my place of reset isn't a location per se, but I guess an activity. So one of my passions is good business and the other passion is motorbikes, um, which might surprise a few people when you talk about reset. (laughs) Um, And yes, I do love the adrenaline rush and the speed that comes with motorbikes. But actually, um, when people really do ask, like, why is it that you love them so much? It comes to this point. Um, what I get the most from them is that they really demand for you to be very present. When you're going on a road that fast, you can't be thinking about anything else. You have to be in the moment, just you, the road, and being very aware. And what that means is you switch off entirely from everything else, from any other stress. Um, I used to have quite severe anxiety. That meant I couldn't really be around people. It was, it was too overwhelming. And it was the only thing I found that actually when I was on the bike, I really could be so present. I'd forget about everything and just be in that moment. It's just you, you know, in the elements as well, because you can really feel it. Normally in very beautiful scenery. Um, I'm very lucky where I live. It's absolutely stunning, but also like to go on adventures. And, and that's what I do. I'll take my bike, me and my bike somewhere beautiful and just go and be really present. And when I come back, even from an hour or so on the bike, energetically, I feel that, okay, I've reset, I can take on the next challenge. Um, So yeah, probably quite surprising for most people, it doesn't look like what relaxation might look like for others. (laughs) What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? So I think for me, when I thought of excitement, I also thought of, um, I guess, magic, because I mean, there in the world is, it is, very magical and exciting so for me I think it's um got to be the aurora borealis um northern lights which I was very fortunate enough to have seen on a trip to Iceland um and I think partially it's it's trying to really understand what it is um but there's something about you know lights dancing in the sky that is just so magical um and it is something you, I guess you just wouldn't see anywhere else. A lot of other places that you can kind of, um, you see mountains in every country, which I absolutely love still, but there's, it's very unique that, isn't it? So um, for me, I think that's definitely going to be my, my choice there. Sarah, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? This is definitely a hard one. <laughs> Uh, and I guess a lot of people you may speak to say the same when you work with such inspiring people. Um, but for me, I really would like to share um, about uh, a person who I'm very um, grateful and honoured to call actually my co-founder of the Good Business Club. Her na- name is Ruth Anslow. Um, and she, before we set up the club, um, had set up an ethical supermarket um, with her sister. Um, She, like I think quite a lot of uh, people who are trying to change the world, had worked in the corporate world, done, you know, obviously very well for herself um, and shares the same story of of being on a a balcony in Barcelona in this flat that she had, you know, looking out and just thinking, you know, I've, I've 
got to where I wanted to, like, I surely I should be feeling happy about this right now. And I think that moment for her was one that really shifted um, her perspective of what she wanted to do and how she wanted to contribute into the world. So um, her and her sister, who happened to be having similar kind of uh, moments in their life, decided to really tackle, again, we talk about systems that are broke, broken, right? Um, there's a um, supermarket called Hisby, which stands for how it should be. And they really wanted to go about and go, look, can we create a supermarket that... Uh, play, pays the supplier really well or more than what most supermarkets do that you know pays the employees living wage at minimum that stocks only organic ethical products that are um, you know not having a negative impact on the world like is it possible let's see what we can do about it and I mean 10 years down the line they've now set up their second store and it doesn't you know, come without challenge. And I think that's for me also where the hopefulness comes in. She is a very um, authentic individual. And I think as for myself, she really showed me that um, you don't have to be perfect to, to go out into the world and stand for something and, and see what you can do about it, right? Like she wasn't um, a supermarket expert before she set this up. She was just an individual who was passionate about something, um, and I think also for myself, and she knows this as well, um, I've grown a lot through setting up the club um, and having her by my side has made all the difference. I think I probably would have been way too scared to do it on my own, but having someone who saw something in me that maybe I didn't and could be that champion um, it gave me hope. And I think having knowing that there's individuals like that in the world, being that for other people, being that for everybody in a sense as well, right? Being that catalyst for change and facing everything that we have to every day, but still being there for other people, I think is um, really hopeful, right? I think we need more of that. And I think that, that a lot of people exist like that. We just maybe don't always hear about them. So yeah, Ruth's definitely uh, brings hope into my life. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? So I've been delving, I think, quite intentionally over the last couple of years around uh, Stoic philosophies, um, which has, I would say, radically kind of changed my perspective of life and brought... Um, an enjoyment into it that I think has been quite profound, really. And there are a few, um, I guess, wisdoms, reminders, habits that I uh, try and ingrain into my life. And I thought I'd share two of them. Um, so one of them is around enjoying the journey. Um, and I think there's that thing of like life actually isn't about getting to destinations, and, and I mean, yes, goals are, are amazing to keep you focused and, and to help you, you know, create amazing things. But that's actually not where the happiness is found. And if you can really like take that on and, and realize that actually the enjoyment of getting from here to there is where you're going to find that happiness. I think that's massively shifted day to day how, how I can actually enjoy life Um the second one, maybe on, a, on an even deeper level, <laughs> is that we are not our thoughts. 
And I think for me, um, that has had a massive impact. I've talked a bit again a, a, earlier about um, having a part of my life that was really impacted by anxiety. And I think I just associated myself so much with what I was thinking of that's who I was. And I think as a society, we've kind of, that's what we do. We've identified ourselves with with that way of, of, of being, um, which can be quite constraining. And I remind myself of this every day and it has really led to some, you know, personal breakthroughs for me as well. I think it's, um, yeah, a very powerful thing to to contemplate about if you haven't already. So those are my two little bits of wisdom for the day. To find out more about Sarah and the Good Business Club, go to sarahosterholzer.com and thegoodbusinessclub.com. To engage with the previous 56 Wonderspace episodes, go to our website, ourwonder.space. I want to thank Sarah for joining us on Wonderspace, and I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness.